Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along. We are continuing our look at um, Matthew 8 today, and we're only going to look at a couple of verses, but we're going to really reflect on the whole story that those two verses kind of um, encapsulate. So to, to remind you, what's happened is Jesus has given the Sermon on the Mount, then he healed a leper. And then a Roman centurion came and asked him to heal his servant. He did that. And then he said, I got to go to the other side. But after he sees crowds following him, he says, I got to get away. And so they go to the other side across the Sea of Galilee over to the Decapolis, which was a Roman settlement. It had been settled in the time of Alexander the Great in, in about the fourth century BC. And, and so it's, it's mostly pagan. There, there are temples there to at least um, Aphrodite and Zeus, as well as uh, a shrine to nymphs which are all part of Greco-Roman mythology. So the, the Jews would have avoided going to the Decapolis. They thought it was one of the places where the gates of hell were found, actually. In other words, they thought that Satan could kind of have free reign there, could come and go. And, and so Jesus goes that way, and on the way they meet a storm that I argue is of supernatural origin. And I believe it's the first line of defense, the, quote, rulers of the Decapolis, and I don't mean the, the temporal rulers, I mean the spiritual rulers, and I don't mean priests, I mean like demonic entities. Um, these spirits that control the area after the breakup of the world, after Babel. So <clears throat> we're talking about a long, long time, but, but I believe that that's a spiritual warfare that Jesus is fighting with the, the sea itself, on the way there, and, and he wins. All spiritual warfare, Jesus is the winner. Hands down, simple as pie. He speaks to the, the wind and the waves, and they stop. The, the, the demons, when the, when the two men that he's there to see come out of the tombs, they, they come out, and demons are speaking through them. And I know that because they refer to him as the Son of God. These men couldn't possibly know that the man who just landed here in a boat was the Son of God. And then they want to know, are you here to torment us before the time? So they know two things. They, 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 they know ultimately there will be a time when they are tormented. They know that time is not yet. Do you know what else that reveals that I didn't mention yesterday? It reveals they already know how this whole thing ends. They know their defeat is certain. Have you come to torment us before the time? They know they're not going to win this. They know that ultimately all they can do is attempt to destroy as many people created in the image of God as possible. And, and they're not certain of Jesus' intentions, but they're pretty certain. <laughs> if you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs that's off in the distance there. So if that's what you're going to do, because what they're saying is you can't torment us yet. That time hadn't come. Um, and it's because God's kingdom has not been fully established on the earth. They still have power and they have authority. And when we go into these places, we go like Jesus did. We go with the power and authority to proclaim and bring the kingdom. And, and as I've said multiple times, I believe that we need to be praying that God would come demonstrably in power. Not just through the proclamation of his word, but that we see the demonstration of his power that a accompanies the true proclamation of his word. We need to see that in all our churches. We need to see the eyes of pastors opened 
to that reality. We need to see pastors transformed in the way into believing what Paul believed that that the kingdom came in demonstrations of power. People need to see it. They've seen a lot of things, and and, and I think we are that that generation that needs to see this. We need to see the powers that be, and, and I mean spiritual powers, um, but spiritual powers work through people as well. We need to see those brought down. We need to see justice in the world. We need to see that there's not two tiers of justice, them and us. We need to see all kinds of things. And I, and I don't mean politically one way or another, because I do believe that that people in who have certain achieved certain levels of power and influence are just not held to the same standard. And so I think what we need to see is a demonstration of God's power. As his kingdom is established, we should expect that. We should expect to see that, that when his kingdom comes, that the power is transferred. And we need to get to a place where the demons beg the church in the same way the demons beg Jesus. The church needs to be filled with the spirit and the power of God. And so what's, what's happened is the, 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 they, Jesus says, go, which is two, two, at the same thing, two, two things. One is permission. If you send us away, cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. Jesus' response is go. In other words, yes, you have my permission to go into the herd of pigs. The, the second thing it is is a command. Go. So they, they do, and they go into the pigs. They rush down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. So the question with all this is then is what in the world is going on in this thing? And I want to talk about something that, that I've read that, that I'm really persuaded by it, it's um, the, the argument in it. And that is because what happens next is, is this, right? So, so what happens after they do that? The herdsmen fled, the people in charge of the pigs, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. Well, why would that be? And so the the thing that I want to talk about then is, is then where what's going on. So there was um, there was a, a Frenchman named Rene Girard, and, and Rene Girard was this guy could do everything right. I mean, he was a historian, a literary critic, he was a philosopher of social science, and, and then also kind of was in physical or philosophical anthropology, like what is man sort of the understanding of, of humankind at some level. It, it was one of his, his uh, most interesting and important contributions. And Gerard's an, he, he was an interesting thought leader. One of the, he comments specifically on this, on this episode here with the Gadarene Garrison demoniac or demoniacs. And I talked about that yesterday. If you want to hear my apologetic for why the, those things aren't the same in all three, the synoptic gospels. So what I want to get at then is, is what does Gerard say is the problem here that these people want Jesus to leave? Well, what he's, what he would basically say is this, the, the, the people of the town, the people of the region had sort of an uneasy alliance, but they had things that the way that worked for them 
In other words, these things will leave us alone, and, and we're going to give you that guy or those two guys as sort of scapegoats. You can have them, and, and then that'll keep them isolated. It'll keep, we'll, we'll keep the men isolated. We haven't rejected them. They're serving an important purpose for the community. They're sort of harboring these demons. And so the, the people were, were not unhappy with that solution because as long as they just tormented these guys, then they left everybody else alone. So they thought they had isolated the problem, and, and they saw the great power that was in these demons and the oppression over these men. So the men were essentially at some level doing the community a favor by being these, the, these scapegoats. And so what now the problem is Jesus has released those demons from those men, and now they want him to leave because they don't know what kind of thing he is. They just know he's stronger than those things. And he may have upset the apple cart and the balance in the community by setting these things free of that, these two guys. And they don't know what the fallout from that's going to be. And so they want Jesus to leave because they don't know what his intentions are. And they don't give him the, the, the opportunity to speak and explain this whole thing. So they don't recognize Jesus as the Son of God in the same way those demons recognize Jesus as the Son of God. They don't know what to make of him. They just know that they were not dissatisfied with the social order that existed before he came. And now he's messed it up in two different ways, one of which is he set these things free of these two men who had sort of been the the scapegoats that carried these things off into the wilderness into the tombs and kept it there and we've isolated the problem but the other side of it is is that he wrecked somebody's financial life by sending those things into the pigs and then they drowned so somebody lost a significant amount of money because they now have lost the herd that they had so as i said yesterday we've got all kinds of issues that in this that have to do with ritual defilement we have them in the decapolis which they believe is one of the places where the gates of hell are we have the tombs we have demon possessed men in the other gospels there's blood involved the tombs are a problem because they can't come into contact with dead and then finally you got pigs you got these unclean animals there so you got all these things coming together in one place and it's just from from a ritual defilement perspective it's a complete mess where Jesus is and yet now these people come to him and they want to talk to him and one of the things that's that that's shameful i guess maybe in a, in a way is early theology uh so we can talk about the church fathers and all that and and talk about the pureness of their theology and all that. They're a little bit of a mess themselves, to say the least. Um, a lot of them go into allegory in big ways in, in the same way the Kabbalists do. Um, but the other side of it is the reason there were councils, the reason there's a creed, is because a lot of early church was a mess. And, and the creeds were an attempt to pull all this together and say, what do we really believe what, what, what do we consider the true church? And so the, the true church makes certain kinds of confessions. So we have the, the Apostles' Creed. We have the, um, the Nicene Creed. We have the Athanasian Creed. You may not be familiar with that, but that's a creed that, that is, is 
trying to explain the Trinity, and, and I highly recommend it. It's a, A-T-H-A-N-A-S-I-A-N, Athanasian Creed. It's named after St. Athanasius who, who, who wrote it. So that, that's that. And so the, the problem that I want to talk about here that has to do with early church theology, it, it, in some ways, it is tangential to this, but it influenced the church pretty seriously and significantly for a long time. And I want to speak into that real quick. So one of the things that, that, that some of the early church fathers concluded <clears throat> was that animals don't matter. And the proof was that Jesus sent these things into these pigs and they drowned. And so the, their, their conclusion, which in my mind is completely unwarranted, is, is that um, animals don't matter at all. That the church has, need not be concerned at all for the welfare of animals. And this was a proof text for that. I believe that to be completely wrong. I, I believe that, that nothing about the original mandate to have dominion changed. I don't believe it changed at all. I believe, I believe we, st- we have dominion. But I believe that also we have we have a responsibility towards life, and we we have a responsibility to do no to to not harm life unnecessarily. There, one of the the Noahide laws, and I mentioned these before, and I've enumerated them before as well, and you can look them up: N O A H I D E or N O A C H I D E. Either one of those will get you there. Those are that, that's Noah, so it's the Noahide laws, and, and it's what the Jews believe that the, the laws that are incumbent upon all mankind. And so if you wanted to convert, for instance, to Judaism, one of the arguments that the rabbi would make is, look, you already have a place in the life to come if you keep the Noahide laws. You don't want to become a Jew because then you'd have to take on all 613 laws. So just keep the Noahide laws. And, and those are roughly pulled in in, in the Jerusalem Council in, in Acts 15 when they have to decide what to do with the Gentiles. Um, but they don't bring in this part of it that has to do with animals. They tell them not to eat things that are sacrificed to, to idols and not to eat things with the blood in it because the life is in the blood. And the reason you don't want to do that is because that mixes two different kinds of life. If you take animal blood into yourself, then then you're mixing two kinds of life, and so that's that's prohibited. But the, one of the Noahide laws is this, and that is, if you had, let's say you you well, couldn't be a pig necessarily, but let, let's say you had a, a a cow, and and you decided, you know what, I, I'm pretty hungry today, um, but. I don't feel like going to all the trouble of slaughtering that cow today. I think I'm just going to cut off the back leg, one of the back legs, or one of the front legs, whatever. It'll still be able to get around. And the Noahide law says, no, you're causing unnecessary suffering by doing that. And so you can't disable an animal to feed yourself. And I think that that is one of those things that I think is a principle that that we should absolutely take into uh, consideration when we think about how we're supposed to interact with the animal kingdom. You know, I, I would say that man is qualitatively and quantitatively different from animal life. However, that doesn't mean animal life has no meaning. So I, I think we, we should treat animals well. I, I don't think we should raise them and harvest them in ways that are um, unnecessarily um, 
brutal. Uh, and I think that's that's important. I think that embedded within Judaism and the practice of kosher butchery, for instance, uh, is a respect for animals because they're created in God's. They're created by the same God that we are. They're not created in His image, but they are created by the same God. And and there's a certain kind of life in them. It doesn't include some of the things that we have. It doesn't include the same kind of consciousness. Um, but but it doesn't mean that, that they're not here for for us to to practice cruelty upon. And so I, I think they do have value. They have more than just value as potential food sources. I think there's more to it than that. So I, I think the church fathers are completely wrong on that. I, I just think they're completely wrong. So I wanted to get that in, but but wanted to give you this idea about why the, the villagers would have wanted Jesus to leave. And, and like I said, I, I, I'm impressed by Gerard's um, argument here that these men have sort of become the vessels for these demons. And it's okay with the society for that to happen because then I don't have to deal with it. I, I'm not going to be troubled by it because they're sort of down there in that place. And, as lo- and they've, they've essentially sacrificed these men for the greater good, <laughs> which was a term we've heard a lot, but also I point you to the movie Hot Fuzz to see that too. Um, but at any rate, that that's I, I'm impressed by Gerard's argument there that, that this is up, Jesus has upset the balance the spiritual balance that that existed in the town in in the region, actually, is is that you know, as long as those demons are in those men, we don't have to worry about it, and so we've been willing to sacrifice them for the greater good, and so I think that's that's a really good argument and a really good way of understanding why these people now want Jesus to leave, because he's not bringing the kingdom in a way that utterly demolishes these things, because their time has not yet come, and and so they were happy to sacrifice these men and jesus says i'm here to save those men they matter they matter to me they're not animals they're men who are created in the image of god and i think in in that understanding i think we can square the circle between human beings and animals by by looking at this and understanding it in that way that jesus came to set these men free because they were created in the image of god that it's not time yet to torment these spirits and so he sends them into the pigs. But they had a strategic reason for wanting to go into the pigs as well because they know that it's going to cause a bigger problem for the people locally because there's an economic hardship now that's been brought into this. So that that's the way that I see and understand all of this. It, that it's, it's spiritual warfare from the time Jesus got in the boat and headed out onto the sea all the way through this moment. And these people don't want him here. They have rejected him. This is the first rejection of Jesus, and it's a rejection by Gentiles. And they beg him to leave the region, and he does. If he's not welcome, he leaves, just as he said. If they don't welcome you, shake off the dust and move on. And that's exactly what Jesus does here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.